whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. What's going on, everybody? It is Memphis, and we are back again for another edition of the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And with me, as always, is the man of the hour, the man with the power, Jerry Sinclair. Jerry, what's going on tonight, buddy? Listen, I might have to give that nickname up, because Tom Brady looks to be the man of the power and the man of the hour every time. Every time, Randy. I just want him to just have a little agony in his life. Well, and he just throws that agony right back at me. So it's not enough that he's handsome. Got a beautiful no. wife who makes more money than he does, by the way. I think yeah, she makes uh, like exponentially more money th- th- than he does. Uh, beautiful Already family. has five Super Bowls. Going to, dude, I was talk- talking with a friend of mine earlier that most players don't even see nine seasons in the league, much less nine Super Bowls. So it's crazy what this guy's done, but I, I don't want to get too deep into that. Don't have a huge intro tonight, except that the off-season guest list continues to get better and better. Um, we had Travis May on last week. If you didn't catch that episode, it was a fantastic episode where he broke down some rookies with us. We played a game of uh, elite, jag, or bust with some rookies in some position groups. And tonight, we're going to discuss the head coaching vacancies that have been filled are rumored to be filled. And then later in the offseason, we'll do a bonus uh, follow-up to this podcast when the rest of the OCs are named. We'll get into all that in a minute. But, Jerry, I, w- I want to keep my manners. and want to bring on our guest. Jerry, you ready to uh, bring on the guest? Do it, Randy. Do it for him. Let's do that. So our guest tonight is Mr. J. Mike Check, a.k.a. J. Chala of the Open Bar Fantasy Podcast, which is brought to you by FakePigskins.com where he co-hosts that podcast with his co-host, Man Bun, at FFManBun on Twitter. He also contributes to the Dynasty Dummies, and you can find him on Twitter at JMikeCheck. That's at capital J, capital M, I-C, capital C, H-E-C-K, at JMikeCheck. And you can find his podcast at The Open Bar FP. Jay, welcome to the Dynasty War Zone. It is an absolute pleasure to be here, my God. Goodness, long time coming, Memphis. We've we've discussed this for a minute. Uh, you you reached out and said, "Hey, I got a hot tag. Tag me in," and I was ready. So thank you. Oh man, uh, no doubt. So uh, would have loved to get Gabe on. Maybe we can get Gabe on in the you know later in the summer. We'll do a rookie mock, and maybe Jerry and I will come. Uh, as I, I told uh, Tyler Gunther of the Dynasty Happy Hour, so that's one bar I've not been thrown out of. But the year is early. So uh, we, we, can certainly, we can certainly figure that out. But yeah, man, I uh, had a lot of fun doing a rookie mock draft last summer with you and the guys over at the Fantasy 40. So knew that we had to get you on. So tonight, uh, we're going to bebop through a little bit of news. And then again, we're going to go into the, the head coaching carousel. Now, word of caution, we did leave out Vic Fangio and Brian Flores. As Fangio was originally going to have Gary Kubiak as his offensive coordinator but that fell through and now he's a special assistant out there in Minnesota 
and Brian Flores technically can't be named until after the Super Bowl. Hopefully he doesn't pull a Josh McDaniel on the Dolphins. That happened to me as a Colts fan. Uh, but these are both the old rope-a-dope. De- the old rope-a-dope. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes it works out in your favor. Hello, Frank Reich. But uh, neither one of these guys have officially named an offensive coordinator. So not going to get into that. There's been some other offensive coordinators named. But we're going to go through uh, a lot of the job vacancies that have been filled and then some of the higher-end offensive coordinators. But before we get into all that, I'm going to start with our guest. And, uh, man, we got a Super Bowl set. We got them Patriots that Jerry mentioned earlier. And they're going to be playing the Rams. I'm going to start with Jay. Jay, what was your highlights and lowlights of this past weekend's action? Wait, wait. Um, the, the Saints did not win. Are you are 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 you sure? Because Twitter seems to tell me that the Saints <laughs> definitely should have won that game. Uh, they are Michael Thomas invoked some rule. It was like Rule Twenty One, <laughs> Section Seventeen, or something. But but you know what? There was a play earlier in that game, and I heard this on a different radio show earlier as I was cruising around. That uh, they the the refs also missed a blatant face mask penalty on the Saints. That would have set up first and goal at the one for the Rams, which basically cost them four points. So yes, it was a poorly officiated game all around. So, but uh, what other highlights and lowlights are you looking forward to in uh, a couple of weeks? Yeah, for for the for the NFC game, uh, one of the things that I found incredibly interesting was the fact that the Rams only rushed for seventy seven yards. And the majority of that came from C.J. Anderson, not Todd Gurley. He only had four carries on the week. So not sure if it's a case where he's still hurting or he is um, just being saved until maybe a a bigger moment, which I don't think that there's a bigger moment than that. Right. So so I'm not sure what's going on in L.A. That that makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, We saw Brandon Cooks come alive, which was awesome. Uh, But just the whole Todd Gurley Rams rushing situation is what really threw me for a loop. Uh, And in the losing effort. Uh, Alvin Kamara going for 11 receptions like he was dynamic uh, all game long. So uh, really curious to see how L.A. bounces back. And and uh, Todd Gurley has to be something for them to win. Right. Like it, it can't be a case where he's giving you nothing on the ground or nothing hey, in the game. Here's an interesting stat for you that I posted this on my Twitter account last night. Going back to November 4th. Todd Gurley has had one game with more than 20 touches since November 4th. We're talking what, all of November, all of December, now almost all of January, almost three calendar months where he's had one game with 20 touches. I'm telling you, something's not right with that knee. He said last night that he just played sorry, which, hey, you know what, man up, he owned it. He said it was on me. But that makes me nervous. This is a guy who's averaged 300 touches a season for the last three years. He had a major ACL injury in college. Now he's got this knee issue. You know, I had, I had a, I guess I'll call it a discussion. It was a couple of back-and-forth tweets with Ryan McDowell but is it time to cash out at his absolute apex on Todd Gurley? I'm not. I'm not ready to do that. But, <laughs> I but, didn't say give him away. I like, didn't say do, fire do, do I think Saquon Barkley is almost unanimously the one in redraft leagues next year? Yeah, I do think that. But I, I mean, I did sell a Todd Gurley share this year, but I blew the whole team up. So if you're even, unless you're doing that, I didn't say fire sale, Jerry. I didn't say everything yeah, I mean, must I mean, go. I mean, I we're closing saying, the doors. But, I mean, but, but I, just, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can get a good return, I guess, is, is he going to be, see, I don't know. I don't, that's too risky for me. I'm probably not. I'm probably still holding on to him because if, if you're selling him right now, you're selling him at this little deficit. Now, granted, you're not going to sell him for that, but his, 
his perception is lower than it normally would be, and that's not usually when you want to sell somebody. So I don't think I would. No, I, I'm with you, and I don't want to, to sidetrack Jay because he because he was on some good points. I just want to say that, you know, again, he's going into his fifth season. It seems like just yesterday he was entering the league, and he's amazing. But all assets in Dynasty, especially running backs, they they reach a point where they start descending. And if there's ever a chance where you, because and I agree with Ryan. Ryan says that he thinks that his value is going to hold. And I, I think that's a very accurate statement. But it won't be much longer before that becomes a descending stock. Just like just like anything else, what goes up will come down. And if you want to maximize value this summer, going into a startup draft, and you can use ADP, say, hey man, this man's the one zero two. You you know it might be time to consider it. I didn't say do it. I said keep that in the back of your mind. We want to be on the forefront here, not on the uh, catch up. Not to not to sidetrack us again, real quick. But if you are a Todd Gurley owner, what would you pay to get C.J. Anderson if you don't have him? Because I, I feel like he's he's guaranteed to be your handcuff next year and your security blanket and everything else that you need. If that knee injury is lingering, it, are we are we talking second round picks? Are we talking late first round picks just to secure that? I mean that I mean that seems expensive and outrageous, but look at what the man's been doing. I feel like a lot of what C.J. Anderson is doing is running through a lot of really big holes. Uh, he's he's running hard and he's punishing people when he does that. But there's nothing that he's done to this point that's screamed, hey, I, look at me, I'm, I'm doing something that's incredibly special. Um, and C.J. Anderson has been, in the past, a very productive player. He's looking real huge right now. And like he was talking about baby weight and all that other stuff. But but just the, the, the matter of... I'm not willing to pay for C.J. Anderson at this point because they literally just picked him up, and I I have no idea what his contract is. I'll try to pull that up real quick. But I don't think it's anything that's something that screams. I think he'll be a free agent. I'm pretty sure he's – so he's going to be cheap. Right. So Malcolm Malcolm Brown comes back. Uh, John Kelly gets another year under his belt in the offense. Um, Yeah, C.J. Anderson is just not someone I'm interested in buying uh, for for all of those reasons. No, I I agree with that. But C.J. Anderson – to Jerry's point, has fantasy and dynasty value right now. He's going to get a job. He's going to get a job. It also makes me, if you do have John Kelly, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good, man. Even even if you have John Kelly, I feel like that situation is just, it looks like it's a good situation for any running back, sort of like that Kansas City offense. Whoever the RB2 is in L.A. is a a must-have, and I would gladly make the girly owner pay through the nose. So, uh, Jay, I, I sidetracked this conversation talking about Todd Gurley. Remember, we're not advocating giving him away. Uh, we're just planting a seed of, of thought. So you're on the forefront. But uh, what about the AFC game with uh, touchdown Tommy and Patrick Mahomes? And I'm and I'm actually steering away from both of those guys because we, we continue to see the emergence, the rebirth, if you will, the phoenix. That is Sony Michelle. Uh, Sony Michelle got some serious work, 29 carries for 113 yards, two touchdowns, didn't break off any crazy long runs or anything. He got 11-yard run, was his longest run of the game, but we watched him put in work, carry after carry, and take the running back shares or the the carry shares uh, out of the 48 carries. He has almost 30 of them, and so it's something that is a beautiful thing to see if you're invested in Sony Michelle. Uh, and as as we watched Corey Davis last year in the wild card game, continue to watch his stock rise. I think it was against the Patriots actually last year in the divisional round. Uh, we're watching Sony Michelle probably get a couple bumps here as he disappointed throughout most of the season is now coming along strong in the playoffs. It's a really good thing to see. Agree 100 percent. So, Jerry, what were some of your highlights of this uh, championship weekend? Here's the thing. I mean, 
everything this weekend was a highlight. I mean, how awesome were those games? They were everything we wanted them to be. They both went into overtime. They were both high-powered teams. The only thing we didn't get to see was Patrick Mahomes have a chance at the end of the game. But, you know, that's a conversation for a different podcast and a whole bunch of Jerry ranting, which I'm going to avoid doing right now. Moments of Sinclarity. Yeah, it's just, it it was awesome, guys. Honestly, when you're a Lions fan, the playoffs really disappoint you a lot and very often. But just watching these teams go at it, it was awesome. Granted, neither of the teams I wanted to win won the games. I, I mean, I wanted the Saints and the Chiefs to go, but either way, I couldn't even be disappointed just because of how awesome it was. The thing that really sucked, though, as someone that you know has never really rooted for Tom Brady, the Chiefs, which led the NFL in sacks, got zero. Hey, I mean, you want to know why you lost a game when that's the staple of your defense is, you know, they've been giving up points and giving up yards, but they've been making big plays like that and they couldn't come up with them. And when you let touchdown Tom do that to you, he's going to choke you until you die. And that's exactly what he did. You know, t- Tom Brady's a next level troll. If you didn't see that Instagram video that he posted with Gronk today, <laughs> Gronk, with it was the, awesome. I can't the, even uh, hate him because it was awesome. The bad boy song with P Diddy. If you haven't heard the the, I don't know if it was the original or the remix. I I saw it uh, reposted on Instagram by Dana White of the UFC, but it's pure gold, and you you need to check that out. Uh, the highlights for me were was just what to Jerry's point, just watching and enjoying good football. Uh, the one thing that I I did notice is that the Cowboys. It looked like that Cowboys game when the Saints played the Cowboys. What was a couple of th- you know two months ago or so on a Thursday. I felt like the Cowboys exposed the Saints in that offense in that game. And if you go back and look at the the statistics on that team offensively prior to that Cowboys game and post that Cowboys game, I think the Cowboys found something. And that offense didn't just wasn't clicking from there on out. So if Drew Brees, which it sounds like he is, so for all of your uh, super flex rosters with Drew Brees as your QB one or two, you get a hallelujah and you're going to get one more year out of him to uh, maybe bridge to that really awesome 2020 rookie class. But that's a team that needs some more weapons. Traquan Smith needs to take a step forward. This is a really good tight end rookie class, at least allegedly with Irv Smith and Noah Fant and TJ, the other guy from Iowa whose last name I can't remember. Hawkinson. Thank you. And so it, maybe they, they, they fill a need there. But this is a team that definitely needs some more offensive weapons. And without a first-round pick, because they gave up their first-round pick for Davenport last year to the Green Bay Packers, this is a team that might have to explore something in free agency. So, um, And then on the other game, Tom, Tom Brady, and you guys covered it both very well. I will say this about Sony Michelle. Uh, obviously, I've seen him run a lot this year. Uh, the... Patriots are on TV more than Law & Order reruns, so you see a lot of the Patriots. But I like Sony Michelle's running style. He just falls forward. You know, if they block it for two yards, he gets you two. If they block it for six, he'll get you six. And I didn't see a lot of negative run plays where he was trying to dance too much, and I think that was, was really positive. And how about Julian Edelman? That guy is tougher you know, I know I know Jay is a an old school wrestling fan as well. He's tougher than a two dollar steak. He is a <laughs> tough man. That guy. There's so many times where I thought that's a concussion. He's not getting up, and he pops right back up. He is so tough. Over and over. He, he over and over. He he is 
just it. I actually traded for a Julian Edelman in a league where I needed a really good uh, wide receiver three as like a bridge guy because I'm going to draft one of these rookies coming up. So I, l- I love me some Julian Edelman. So uh, let's get to the news because we got to talk about these coaches. All right, so the first bit of news was the NFL, and this is big for, for Dynasty owners. The NFL will announce Kareem Hunt's suspension prior to free agency in March. Free agency opens up March 13th, and the NFL is also still investigating the two other alleged incidents, and this is all according to Roto World. My prediction, and it will continue to be so, is I think he's going to sign somewhere during free agency. He'll kind of get swept up in a vacuum because it's the NFL offseason. It's right in there where the draft is hyping. I think he'll get a 10-game suspension. There's no way you can give this man the same suspension that you gave Zeke with no video. You can't give him six when Zeke got six. I think he'll get 10, and I think this is a guy that will be helping people win dynasty championships next year. I'm going to go to our guest again. Jay, where are you at with the cream hunt? Are you a buyer, and do you think he's going to land a job? Do I think he lands a job? Definitely. Uh, and I am also definitely not uh, a, a buyer of Kareem Hunt. Uh, but, and I guess a better question for me to try to be able to even gauge his interest. If you're if you're a Kareem Hunt owner, I'm, and I'm asking both of you guys this, if you're the Kareem Hunt owner, what is it going to take for you to be OK selling him? Like what what pick value? So I come at you and I'll say, hey, I will give you a late second for Kareem Hunt. What do you say to that? send you a middle finger emoji <laughs> right exactly <laughs> i give you i give you a hard pass and i counter with a, a first yeah and that's when i just say okay good good talks i wish you well in your future endeavors <laughs> because you if you've got, if you've got a late second that means you've probably got a late first so if you've got the 210 that means you probably got the 110 so at the 110 we can talk maybe i get the 110 and you get kareem hunt maybe i send you a, a three or something back we, we can negotiate we can haggle but I, I, I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm one of the. I don't mind t- taking having a risky guy on my lineup. I didn't mind having one Josh Gordon. Now you can't have Josh Gordon, Tyreek Hill, Antonio Callaway, Kareem Hunt. You, you, you can't build a roster around <laughs> around risky players. But you can certainly have one. So um, I would be willing to haggle with you on Kareem Hunt. What about you, Jerry? You said middle finger emoji. What, what, what's your price tag? I, if I have Kareem Hunt. I'm probably not selling them. I like Kareem Hunt, and I think I'm not just going to let this stop what I've seen. Yeah, the guy who's in Kansas City always does good, and that's partially why you like him. But that dude fumbled his first carry of his NFL career after never fumbling in college, and he never fumbled it after that. He can catch the ball great. He's fast. His balance is unbelievable. If I have Kareem Hunt, I'm holding on to Kareem Hunt. And I'm trying to buy Kareem Hunt because I like his talent. And you know, I think he's going to go to a team that's ready to win now that knows they can get him for cheap because he's a dirt ball. And, you know, the, these are NFL teams. They're dirty and they're grimy and they don't care. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to end up on a team like Chicago or something and just it's going to put them over the top and that offense is just going to start humming and he's going to be worth it. Those battery so, chuckers in Philadelphia where – uh, uh, see, where Shane Manella will do a backflip when when he signs with the the Eagles. It's, it's like when the the I don't know how big a hockey guys you are, but it, as a person who lived during the prime of the Red Wings, when we signed Todd Bertuzzi after he, you know, was the dirtiest player in the NHL for that punch on the Colorado player, you know, 
we didn't care because we were winning with him and he was awesome and he was our guy. Same thing with Chris Chelios. Hated him when he was in Chicago. The wings get him. Yeah, we all love Chris Chelios. When that team signs him, they're going to love him. And I think I think he realizes I screwed up bad. Like you had to admit, like we watched great football yesterday. Imagine Kareem Hunt. He had to watch his team in the AFC championship at home while he was sitting on his couch. Like if that guy doesn't realize yet how close he is to being out of the league, I think we've seen the end of his shenanigans. And I think that boy's going to turn it around. I I, I hope so. Well, speaking of another guy who needs to turn it around, especially his reputation at this point, that's Antonio Brown. According to James Harrison, former teammate of Antonio Brown, he wants to badly play for the 49ers. And I've heard Jerry Jerry Rice link to this as well. Uh, I will start with Jay. Jay, do you think the 49ers are a good fit for Antonio Brown? And do you see them paying up both the Steelers as far as draft pick compensation? And they do have the cap space, but are they going to pay him like about 20 million bucks this year? So so let so let's so let's kind of dissect this a little bit. So they've been they've been really good about giving out a lot of uh, short term deals with a lot of money involved. Like Pierre Garcon got a ton of money at one point, uh, and in a short deal, use check. They kind of overpaid him to come in um, and, and and be someone who can be productive in their offense. They don't have anyone in the receiving game. Uh, that scares you. Marquise Goodwin has amazing speed, which is fun, which is nice. But the best part of ability is availability. And that's not something that Goodwin has shown. Uh, Antonio Brown in a Shanahan offense. Let's go. Like, that's disgusting. The fact that he was able to do what he did with Nick Mullins this season is absurd, first of all, third-string quarterback, uh, to be able to be as productive. And I'm not sure if you guys noticed this, but behind George Kittle, do you guys know who was second? in receiving for the 49ers? Uh, Ballpark, I would say Pettis, but I don't actually know. Yeah, I, say I, I, would, I would guess Pettis or maybe Garcon? It was Kendrick Bourne. Oh, so okay. Kittle had, yeah, Kittle has like, I think, 88 receptions on the season. Uh, Bourne, I, I was looking at the stat the other day, Bourne had less than half of that, like 42, and he was second on the team in receiving. Could you imagine a team that has to deal with Freaking Antonio Brown on the outside, Goodwin on the other side with all sorts of speed, Pettis in the slot, and Kittle at tight end. My word. So yes, and Jarek McKinnon it. in the backfield. Yeah, McKinnon, Breda, Jeff Wilson looked pretty good at times. Mostert looked fine too. Like, yeah, I'm all in on the 49ers. So yes, if, if they can pony up for it, let's go. I'm excited for that. Jerry, do you uh, you I agree? Have nothing to add to that. I think when he said he had me at the first, let's go. Uh, the last one just that tied it all together. I the, so I can't add to that because he's Antonio Brown and he's awesome. The, the, and he's gonna be awesome. So let's go. The, the one the, the one thing that I had not heard anybody else say that I think was a just a fantastic point, Jay, was the the front loaded short term deals with guys like McKinnon, like Usechek, like Garcon. I just thought, man, I, I forgot all about that. He's a, he's obviously a capologist over there. At the uh, FF Open Bar, <laughs> and uh, so 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 that that was an amazing call. And you're right, that would be a really scary offense and a Todd, not not Todd Shanahan, um, Kyle Shanahan, uh, uh, wide receiver one eats when they have a legit. Even if it was uh, Pierre Garcon in Washington, or you want really big numbers, go back and look at Andre Johnson when he was with him and uh, Julio when he was with him in Atlanta. So anyway, 
Let's go from from uh, big name wide receivers to big name college quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, Heisman Trophy winner, back to back Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks for the University of Oklahoma after Baker Mayfield in 2017. So Kyler Murray uh, declares for the draft. Jerry, I'm gonna start with you this time. Are you excited? You're, you're a bit of a college fan. I am, and I think that's where the excitement for Kyler Murray is gonna end for me. Here's my thing. You know, we talk about quarterbacks that are under six foot. There's some rumors that Kyler Murray is 5'9". I am 5'9". I did a little experiment at work uh, the other day. Uh, there's one of my employees is 6'4". I'm 5'9". I backed up a few yards, and I had him hold his hands up. And he's only 6'4". There's defensive linemen that are 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Good luck getting the ball over them. Good luck. Your offensive linemen are 6'6", six, 6'5", six, 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 I mean, height's one thing, but if this dude ends up being 5'9 or 5'10, I just don't know how he can succeed. And I know we've seen some short guys do it, but those are few and far between, and he's good. Don't get me wrong, but I I think you should take the baseball money, my friend. It's long-term. Your brain's not going to turn to mush, but, I mean, yeah, hopefully he proves me wrong because I wish the good man luck. And what about you, Jay? Anything? I saw him today mocked to the Jaguars at seven. And I, I like Kyler Murray, the player, a lot. Um, the height does give pause. Um, I, I'm really interested to see because if he truly is five nine, like if that's as we go through this process and he measures out and he's legitimately five nine, I, I really hope that he lands in a place with a creative mind at the helm and while i am uh someone who's a jaguars fan if he goes to jacksonville that's an absolute death trap uh that that's that doesn't that doesn't scream creativity it doesn't scream uh innovative it doesn't scream hey let's put our quarterback in the best position to succeed um that that's just not a good look so i'm rooting for kyler i hope he does well uh i think that he ultimately does stick with baseball um, but it's intriguing to think about and talk about even now. I, I think I'm going to have Jay back on more often. He he inspires thoughts. So so you don't see Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin in the uh, the sequel to the sequel of Grumpier Old Men uh, as being the uh, brain trust that Kyler Murray needs. No, uh, for for me, I th- I think this is a really smart ploy by his baseball agent. His baseball agent yep. is Scott Boris, who is the shark of all sharks of baseball agents, <laughs> and and, and I, I think he is getting him to declare for the draft, and he's going to go back to the Oakland days and say, hey, listen, this guy can get guaranteed $15 million you know, in, in, in signing bonus with an NFL team. Why don't you guys match that? We'll come and play baseball, and it's a win-win. If you go back and look, and I saw this on ESPN, like the, the last handful of MVPs in the American League, they're all right around his size, and there's no reason why within a couple of years. Now, he will be starting his career you know, on minor league buses and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but you know, you can, you can create your own per diem if you got a $15 million signing bonus mm-hmm. for, for the A's. So um, I don't you know, get too worried about that. So the, the last bit of news we got, we were going to talk about Scott Linehan getting fired in Dallas and the fact that Dallas could promote Kyle, I'm sorry, not Kyle, Kellen Moore to their offensive coordinator, but we'll save that for that bonus OC episode of the coaching carousel. But the last bit of news I want to cover is Cam Newton's timeline. Um, the Panthers have not yet said whether or not he is going to have surgery. And the owners even said that th- there is a scenario 
although not a big one in my opinion, where if Cam were to have surgery, he could do 2017 Andrew Luck action and set out an entire season. Jerry, what's up with that? You know, I would love to answer that for you, but I don't know. That's tough. I mean, I think we just got to wait and see on that. Um, If you're a Cam owner, I think you're just sitting tight. I don't, I mean, you can't, you can't try and get out from under it. It would be too cheap. I mean, maybe, see, it's tough though, because if it is serious, you know, Andrew Luck was how old after his surgery? I mean, he was probably like, what, 26, 27 when he came back, 28. He wasn't super old. I think Cam's 30 now. Yeah. So when he comes back, he'll be like 32. I think Cam's a year older. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. So, I mean, that's a tough situation. I mean, I'm buying if he's cheap. Don't get me wrong, because Cam Cam can Cam, and he's good when he can plow that shoulder over the goal line. But as far as predicting what's going to happen, that is something I cannot do. I I wish I could, because I love Cam Newton. I think he's one of the entertaining and awesome players in the league that I just, I as maybe it's because he beat Bama. In fact, no, it is because he beat Bama. But yeah, I, I'm just going to sit back, watch, and let let reality unfold on this one. Yeah, we we never sell during a bad news cycle. So we were talking about Gurley earlier. It's something that you would certainly do when the news turns good. So what about you, Jay? Any uh, any trepidation with uh, Cam and his future? Yeah, one of the more interesting things is that how they were on the same timeline previously, and they went about the injury. I think pretty similar injuries, if I remember reporting right. Uh, back back at this back at this time, they were on the same timeline except for Luck opted for surgery, and I think Cam opted for just rehab. Uh, and I think Cam had a up. smaller procedure. I, they both had surgery around the same time, okay. and then Cam showed back up, and Luck did not. So it sounds like maybe he didn't have enough surgery. I don't know. It, it just makes me nervous. Yeah, and I think the the ambiguity behind it is what bothers me the most. Um, and we watched him kind of start the year and be be okay. And then as the year went on, just it just sank really, really low and ugly. I think it was all that the Thursday night game against the Steelers, um, where they they came out on fire that first year. I was like, man, they're about to beat the brakes off Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. And from then on, it was just downhill from there and, and for the rest of the season. So Cam's an awesome player. Uh, I think, like you said, he's 29, 30 years old. Uh, so he still has probably a lot of good football left, you would imagine. I'm just – I'm nervous. I'm a little nervous about this. And like you said, I'm not looking to sell him at this point, but I'm nervous moving forward. Well, all right. Well, that is the news for this week. Um, we can take a handful of stories and make them last a full segment. So there you go. Uh, we're going to move into the head coaching carousel. And what we did, we took – uh, a handful of the most of the new coaches, and then a couple of coordinators, and we talked about what we think is going to be their impact on your dynasty rosters. Whether this head coach is good for fantasy, whether this head coach is or offensive coordinator is bad for fantasy, and who, what guys are we looking to buy and sell based off of these coaching hires? So, uh, in the sake of good manners, and uh, we want to give our guest the most popular choice first. There is no more popular choice amongst uh, Dynasty right now than the Cleveland Browns. And I never thought in all my adult life I would ever say the Cleveland Browns are the most popular at anything. <laughs> but uh, with Baker, Baker Mania, much like Hulkamania in the 80s, is running wild all over the, uh, the greater Midwest and all over your Dynasty Twitter. So we're going to let Jay break down the uh, hire of who I've dubbed Fast Freddy, Fast Freddy Kitchens. Jay, go ahead and tell <laughs> us, uh, is this good for fantasy? And uh, who are you buying and selling in Cleveland? 
So what's uh, it's so funny that this worked out this way, Memphis, because of the fact that all uh, last summer, uh, <laughs> the Browns kept coming up on the open bar over and over. Like every week we would discuss the Browns and it was kind of disgusting and it got, got to be a joke. And, 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 and we were thinking like, okay, how many Browns can legitimately be in the ADP's top, I don't know, 100? And I think at one point, six or seven guys uh, were, were all there uh, b- between <laughs> between Terod, Duke, Chubb, Hyde, Njoku, Landry. Like, it was, it was absurd. However, we watched the offense come alive. We watched Freddie Kitchens do good things after Hugh Jackson left. Uh, we watched the offense continue to hum, and we watched Baker Mayfield do something that no other rookie quarterback had done and break Peyton Manning's rookie touchdown record, right? So everyone's excited about that. Uh, the offense is humming. Now, now here's here's what's interesting. What, what I find interesting about this offense, um, they, they keep Kitchens. They bring on Todd Munkin as the OC. Todd Munkin was doing fantastic work in Tampa Bay with Ryan Fitzpatrick before Dirk Cutter kept saying, hey, give me give me the play calling. I want to do this in the midst of all of this losing. So uh, in terms of who I'm buying, we watched Baker Mayfield be fantastic in every super flex league. I think he's going to probably be fringe QB one QB one areas, probably top 12 ish. Uh, so he's definitely a guy that if you can get your hands on great, go for it. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I'm, I'm thinking that his and, and I feel like he's one of those guys who's incredibly uh, what's the word polarizing. Uh, some people are you're either in the Jarvis camp or you're not at this point. His value, I think, is taking a dip because he stepped back from all of those Miami targets and all of that Miami production. So you probably can get him at a value at this point. Um, Nick Chubb, I'm not sure who's selling him at this point because the guy's fantastic. Um, I think it's wheels up in Cleveland, which is really awkward for me to say as a guy who resides in Cincinnati. You know, Cincinnati is a beautiful city, and I've got a good friend, and I'll give him a shout-out. He's not a dynasty player. He does play some redraft. His name is Brian Sheely, a friend of mine for a long time. I, 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 I am happy for him. Because we've been friends for about eight, seven, eight years, and I have watched this man suffer endlessly for, for, <laughs> for almost a decade. And I, I think you nailed it. If you don't already have a couple of risky plays on your team, and we talked about these guys earlier, my absolute stone-cold buy on this team personally is Antonio Callaway. We saw, have him. We saw flashes. Flashes of brilliance. And, and it was said last year during because everybody's starting to get rookie fever. Around this time last year, I heard a lot of really sharp people say if Antonio Callaway didn't have some drug and knucklehead issues in his past, he would be the number one wide receiver in this class. He's got the talent. He's got the skills. And I think because he didn't necessarily kill it as a rookie, he would be my ultimate buy. Jerry, anything you want to add about the the land and anything uh, you want to give us before you break down Cliff Clingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals? Nope. I think you hit that on. I mean, the Browns are just going to be exciting to watch. I hope they don't Lions it as an organization, but when you're a Lions fan, you always assume every team's going to pull a Lions. As far as Cliff Kingsbury goes, I, I've already ranted a few times about that hire and how I think it was a bit of a bozo move from the standpoint of making a winning organization. But... We are not on a winning organization podcast. We are on a fantasy football podcast, and I think he was a fantastic hire for that. You're talking about a dude that got Jason Morrow 
drafted in the second round. Tight end out of Texas Tech. I think he went to the Jets. This dude had 106 receptions, 1,300 yards. Okay, he targets the wide receivers. Or the tight ends, excuse me. You look at all of the passing that Patrick Mahomes did and everyone that's ever gone through Texas Tech. The wide receivers make plays. The tight ends make plays. The running backs make plays. It's just what he does. He just doesn't coach defense. That's why I think they'll lose. I think there's just going to be so much fantasy gold just dripping on our rosters that it's we're going to just ignore that. So is it good for fantasy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, my friends. Who? Everybody. Ricky Seals-Jones. I think he's going to he's gonna see a bump. The I'm, official you know, tight end of the Dynasty not gonna, <laughs> Yeah, he's not going to be, you know, George Kittle, but he'll be valuable. And like our man G says, anybody with a tight end pulse, and he's definitely going to have a pulse. Um, Christian Kirk has got to be my boy toy this offseason. Just, I mean, I loved, I always thought he looked like Golden Tate from the moment I first saw him play at Texas A&M. He just, he's got good yak yards. He can catch the ball. He's so good. And now you've got him in an offense that's a complete and utter definition of an air raid. Mark that boy for a hundred catches and just let the points just rain down upon us. <laughs> as far as Josh Rosen, I mean, listen, we can talk about how, you know, he benched Baker Mayfield and, you know, he didn't win with Mahomes, but this takes me right back to the original point. I don't care if he wins. I really don't. If he's going to throw for 5,000 yards, will be so happy and I will love Cliff Kingsbury for the two years before he gets fired. So am I buying Rosen if I'm in a super flex? Yes, I am. Am I loving everyone that's on that office? Yes, I am. If you guys think I'm crazy, tell me now or forever hold your peace. Jay, is he crazy? Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> like, no, I, I just don't. I'm, I'm curious how everything else around Rosen uh, improves. Yes, Kirk's fantastic player. Larry Fitzgerald, who is literally my favorite player, um, period, right now, uh, he's a free agent. We're watching the offensive line be something that's pretty close to atrociousville. It's it's bad. We watched David Johnson uh, not be utilized very well, and that's another year of life basically off of his prime. Now, I think 27 years old. 27. Um, that yeah, is so, correct. So, so I, while I like I liked Rosen coming out, I didn't see the strides that I wanted to see from him this season. I'm really hoping that as an organization, they can find some competency around him because Kingsbury's a nice, a, a nice, like, it's nice. He, he's he's done well with quarterbacks in the past. What else can you do for me besides my quarterback, besides maximizing him to support him and prop him up? Because if you're not propping up Rosen, then then it's a it, it doesn't none of it is going to work around it. So I'm um, I'm curious how that works out. My only feel. Uh, fear about Cliff is that he was fired by his alma mater. Like you went Back. to school there, dude, <laughs> and they they don't want to fire you. You know they don't want to fire Harbaugh in Michigan, but you know what? They fired my man. So uh, gives me gives me some pause. But you know what? He does have some head coaching experience, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I do love the Christian Kirk. You know you mentioned uh, you mentioned a different slot receiver. I actually went to Jarvis Landry. Can this end up being? the uh, Jarvis Landry to Josh Rosen's Ryan Tannehill. And hopefully Rosen's better than Tannehill. But I just remember Jarvis getting those 160-plus 
touches a game. And I'm going to break down Adam Gase. He's one of mine later, but I'm going to jump into Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor is the rumored head coach of the Cincinnati Bungles, Jay's hometown Bungles. And uh, I, I think this is going to be a good hire for fantasy. Um, he has had coffee with Sean McVay, which makes him a prime candidate for a NFL head coaching job. As a matter of fact, I had a beer once with Sean McVay, and I got a second interview with the Dolphins. They, hey. ulti- they ultimately went with the bus boy. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I think Zach Taylor is going to uh, uh, be a good offensive coach for that. I think he's going to be so much better than Marvin Lewis, Hugh, Jack- uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackman. No, I would totally not go against Wolverine. <laughs> but uh, Hugh Jackson, uh, Laser, Blazer, all of them from Dodgeball, they've all got to go. Um, some things that I've, I'm trying to correlate Zach Taylor to Sean McVay because he doesn't have any offensive coordinator head coaching stats of his own. But uh, one of my buys is Andy Dalton. When he's played, and it's not been a lot because he gets these weird hand injuries, but when Andy Dalton plays all 16 games, he's never finished worse than QB 18 on a season. He's a dynamite QB 3 in a super flex league that you can probably get cheap, and I don't think they're going to replace him. I, he's not a horrible quarterback. I think they're going to at least roll one season with him as their QB. And why would you? This is not a great QB class for a draft anyway, and they have so many other needs. So I think for this season, Andy Dalton's a fine buy, especially if you can get him right in Superflex. Then let's talk about my uh, my biggest man crush. We talked about man crushes earlier. Joe Mixon. The last two years uh, under McVay, and obviously Taylor was there, uh, Gurley has gotten three, an average of 328 touches a season the last two years and been, when healthy, without a doubt, the RB1. And I know Saquon Barkley's coming on strong and we still love Zeke, but man, Mixon in a quote-unquote Sean McVay-style offense, yeah, I'll, I'll take, a, take a shot on that. And then one of the ones that I think you can really get a good deal on right now is Tyler Boyd. Got hurt toward the end of the season, kind of broke out. And, man, I just start thinking about the slot receiver in this McVay offense, and you, you start thinking of Cooper Cup and how they use Robert Woods. And, I, I mean, I, I get awful excited for a guy that I think you can get at a real nice price, especially come draft season when guys are uh, itching, they get that rookie fever. You might be able to get Tyler Boyd for a song, and I, I think you're really going to like him in a PPR league out of slot. Um, as far as AJ, AJ Green, I love AJ Green, and I'm sorry, but you can't stay healthy at this point. You're 30, so when you add in wide receiver – over the age of 30, and you've had some injury issues the last few years, especially with your feet and your foot, that's a no bueno. So I'm hopefully he gets off to a fast start in this offense and he gives you a nice sell window in week four. And then I've not seen much relevance from the tight end position under McVay. So I, what did they bring Tyler Eifert back, draft somebody, bring someone in in free agency? I, I'm not that, not that excited for the tight end position. But the one last thing I want to throw out there, uh, I, and when I'm doing this research, when I do research sometimes, it, in, uh, it invokes the trade monster in me. And I did a little comparison. I started looking at Brandon Cooks in this offense uh, with McVay in, in L.A. And I started looking at John Ross. John Ross, 5'11", 191. Brandon Cooks, 5'10", 189. Brandon Cooks, 4'3", 340. John Ross, 4'2", 240. Both have high NFL draft capital behind them. Man, we're talking about the third-year uh, wide receiver breakout. And I'm not going to blame him. John Ross could be healthier. <laughs> For whatever reason, he was a, red, a big red zone threat this past year in Cincinnati. And uh, maybe he can do something in year three under a really good offensive mind. 
Sorry, Hugh. Sorry, Laser. I don't think that was you. So go back and look, and, and it's narrative and speculation. But I'm out there chucking, you know, thirds and fourths and whatever I can to try to get a John Ross here. So uh, I'll throw it to Jay. Jay, you're the Cincinnati guy. What do you think about my uh, my little breakdown there? I don't I don't hate it at all. Uh, not at all. The the a couple of things. One, uh, at this point, uh, and, and I'm as big of a John Ross probably apologist as anyone. Uh, really like the player. I like him coming out of Washington. Really disappointed with his injuries and his lack of usage. With Marvin leaving, whom I don't believe ever really believed in John Ross, uh, I'm thinking that he's definitely due to step forward. Now, here's the question. Uh, when when uh, Andy Dalton signed that deal either last offseason or two offseasons ago, when they gave him the extension, um, this is now we just had the season basically where now he's got two more years on his contract and they can cut him for no dead cap, zero. No dead cap. So while it's really intriguing to think, oh, man, Zach Taylor, this is a really cool opportunity for him to come in and maybe show us some McVay magic. Um, would it be with Andy Dalton? I'm not sure. Uh, so if you buy him now, keep in mind that it's probably at a risk. Uh, otherwise, I think you're spot on with, with Tyler Boyd and, and company. All right. We'll roll right into uh, to one of the other hottest offenses in the league, and that's, uh, that's Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers. The – I'm really, really, really nervous about the hire. Uh, <laughs> we, we we did not see what I think everyone hoped for, which was a step forward for the Titans offense. Uh, a lot of that had to do with Mariota not being able to fill his hand. A lot of it had to do with the running game not being as successful as folks wanted until the very end of the year when Derrick Henry took over. Um, a lot of those things are very tenuous, but – uh, if if we're able to pair what everyone still hoped for in Matt Lafleur and someone like Aaron Rodgers, who is the elite of the elite in terms of fantasy quarterbacks or quarterbacks, period, uh, we should see some special things in Green Bay. Now, what I'm really curious about is who steps forward in the wide receiving game. I'll come back to the running backs momentarily, but at wide receiver, they threw three darts out there last year, right? Jamon Moore, uh, they got MVS, they brought in uh, ESB. And all of those guys um, at one point or another got some sort of look. Who's going to be the number two alongside Devontae Adams, who is as consistent and as good as any as any receiver in terms of production uh, this past season? We, we watched him just be an absolute stud uh, at this point. We, um, I'm not sure if you guys would argue or not. I'll give you a chance to do that here shortly. But uh, he is probably. Uh, I would imagine first round startup dynasty pick in a 12 teamer, maybe end of the, I mean, like, in, like beginning of the second, maybe at the latest uh, he's, he's someone who's fantastic. So uh, the, the running game, I think is also something that's very curious. We watched Aaron Jones be someone who was, uh, who, who kind of was held down. We felt like by McCarthy. Uh, we watched him come out and actually be very productive. Then he gets hurt. Jamal Williams comes out, has that monster game against the New York Jets. I think it was week 16 uh, where he just lost his mind. And, and, and over time, he was super productive as well. Um, you think Aaron Jones is going to be the guy, but with a new coach coming in, what what exactly do we know? We're not sure. Um, at tight end, Jimmy, Graham's, Jimmy Graham is out. Um, and what do they have at tight end? Like, I, I literally don't know. <laughs> if you can name a tight end under contract, oh, was it Robert Tanyan? I think was his name. Something that, like that's that exactly right. Uh, 
yeah, so uh, um, that that doesn't excite me at all. But uh, I think the future is bright in Green Bay. I think that Aaron Jones is someone, if you can still get him for um, – I'm not sure what he's going for, but if you can throw a late first at Aaron Jones and somehow get him, good on you. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, the, the question is, who are you rolling the dice on at the wide receiver two position with Randall Cobb likely being outed uh, or ousted, excuse me. Uh, and and that group, I think, is is just maybe even the wide receiver two is not on the roster yet. So I'm curious to see how that all shakes out in Green Bay. I agree. I, I, I was sort of hoping to see who would step up into that wide receiver two role this year. And instead, we just got more of a headache. You know, I mean, they all had their little their little flashes and they all showed that none of them took the job. So I think I'm with you on that last point that, you know, maybe that wide receiver, too, isn't on the roster yet as upset as maybe some of our shares would be. But, yeah, that that hire was not super sexy, Um, but we'll see how it goes. As far as another something that was sexy variance to the bucks. I I mean, you gave me the polarizing coaches and I appreciate you making my job easy. Um, what's there to say? I mean, 2015 Arizona, he had the best offense in the NFL and now you're giving him Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray. I mean, the Buccaneers have good pieces and you know, Jameis makes his mistakes. Jameis fumbles it. Jameis throws interceptions. Jameis can play the game. If he, he just needs, you know, maybe it's because Dirk Cutter was not a very good QB coach. I mean, we'll find out in time. Let's hope Bruce Arians can rein him in and they can take that next step because they have so many pieces that just every time you watch them, you go, okay, like Chris Godwin is good. Mike Evans is awesome. OJ Howard is a young, promising talent in this league and is a big time touchdown getter. I'm excited for Bruce Arians. And as far as what's good and bad for fantasy, I think it's all good. We'll see what the running backs are. Now, Bruce Arians does good with running backs. We saw that with DJ. DJ was some dude and turned into a megastar. Is that person on the roster now? I I don't know. You know, maybe he takes a shot with Ronald Jones. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he keeps going Peyton Barber for another year. Maybe they draft one. They take a shot this year. Maybe they take one on the deep 2020 class. I couldn't tell you, but whoever eventually takes that job, I think is going to be in such a prime position for fantasy stardom. And, you know, I mean, we saw in Arizona what John Brown could do ripping down the field. Mike Evans is a better talent than John Brown. You know, I mean, Chris Godwin is not Larry Fitzgerald, but under Dirk Cutter, he was still catching touchdowns and still doing things. I'm excited about Bruce Arians. And I, I think you guys are too. Tell me if I'm wrong. Well, I I got one for you. Um, both Albert Breer of the Monday Morning Quarterback and Joe Banner, who used to be the general manager for the Philadelphia Eagles, both these gentlemen have said publicly that they think that's going to be the landing spot of Le'Veon Bell in free agency. And if you were to add, if you, if, if you were to add Le'Veon Bell to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, and uh, maybe I, I think Adam Humphreys is a free agent as well. Um, man, by the way. Uh, Humphreys, Godwin, and Evans—they were uh, that was a one uh, that was a wide receiver one, two, and three this past year. Evans <laughs> was the one, Humphreys was the two, and Godwin's was uh, the three. So um, that that speaks back earlier when Jay was talking about Monken in Cleveland. So there could be a lot of fantasy value there. Well, listen, I, I'm going to take uh, Adam Gase in his goo goo googly eyes. Um, <laughs> 
You know, I, I know this guy's a knucklehead, but a but couple of things I, I want to point out. Um, Ryan Tannehill and Jay Cutler both had their best QB ratings on a season when working with Adam Gase. Allegedly, I, I, you know, I, I've seen this on Twitter, and you can just search Peyton Manning Jets. Um, excuse me, that Peyton Manning called the Jets front office and said that this was the best offensive coordinator that he ever worked with. Now, Peyton Manning does not strike me as the kind of guy that's going to pick up the phone out of obligation. Peyton Manning feels like the kind of guy who says it if he believes it's true. And I, I don't hate Adam Gase. Again, I think he's weird. I think he had like one too many uh, scoops of pre-workout that day. And um, he, he was on one. But I, I just look at what he's done. I mean, Jay, like I said, Jay Cutler. Think about Jay Cutler. Um, and think about just even um, Brock Osweiler this past season. He made Brock Osweiler for a handful of games look like a decent quarterback. So I'm not saying he's a quarterback whisperer. One thing I found in doing my research with this, if you give Adam Gase elite talent, he will give you elite production. You give Adam Gase, Demarius Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Peyton Manning, you will get elite production because when he had those guys, he gave elite QB1, wide receiver one. And here's a kicker. Up until he landed in Miami, he had four straight years when he was the offensive coordinator for either the Bears or the Broncos where he produced four straight RB1s. So I don't know who that's going to be for the Jets, and I'll get to my buys in just a minute. But again, if you give this guy elite options, and I really believe that Sam Darnold has the tools to be an elite option, the guy is going to turn 22 in like week two of the 2019 season. He's super young. He had the least amount of college starts of any of these quarterbacks coming in. And I think this is a guy that can really develop uh, with him. Uh, the one one knock on Tannehill he wasn't wasn't a horrible quarterback. He wasn't good. He wasn't elite. He just couldn't stay healthy. So my buys on this team, I am absolutely trying to scoop Sam Darnold everywhere. I'm in a league with uh, Dynasty Outhouse, and some reasons for somehow I'm trying to get him to uh, give me Sam Darnold plus for Mitch Trubisky. Has not worked out for me yet, but it's not going to stop me from trying. As far as the running backs, I, I wouldn't mind having one. So I'm calling Eli McGuire a hold. And Crowell and Powell a sell. I think I think Powell's going to be a cap casualty, and he'll be gone. I really like Robbie Anderson. I am the ultimate Robbie Anderson uh, fanboy. And uh, if this guy cannot do anything dumb in the offseason, I really saw a rapport over the last handful of games. I think it was weeks 13 through uh, – maybe it was 12 through 15, where he had three state games with a touchdown. Uh, Sam Darnold came out publicly and talked about their relationship. I, I would love to love to invest in Quincy Inunua because he most likely fits that Jarvis Landry 160 target role. The problem, and, and he signed a nice contract, you know, that'll keep him there for a while. He just can't stay healthy. He's got neck issues and uh, a good guy seems like a, like like a good teammate, but I just don't trust his health. So if I got a Quincy share out there, I'm holding, looking to sell after a quick hot start. And then uh, my ultimate mega buy, as I called it, was Chris Herndon, especially in tight end premium. Really flashed in the preseason. And last year, it wasn't, it wasn't a horrible tight end class. We had, we had Gusecki and uh, Dallas Goddard. I think Goddard got hurt by Landard landing spot, and Gusecki needs to develop. But uh, this is the guy who broke out in the tight end class. So uh, give me Adam Gase and some of his offense and his uh, googly eyes, and I'm going to kick it. Uh, back to Jay, but Jay, before I do anything on the Jets, are are you scared by these Jets? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's analysis. Fair. I mean, that's fair. Hashtag, is that hashtag <laughs> no. analysis? 
Yes, exactly. The I, I think of of what you said, um, and and let me pose this as a question to you real quick. With with being as excited as you are about Robbie Anderson, um, how high are you willing to pay for him? Is he someone that you're willing to say, hey, you know what? I really I'm really buying what's going on. I'll throw a, the one twelve at you for Robbie Anderson. Would you do that? Uh, I I would. It would be tough. It would be an on-the-clock type move. But I'll tell you a move that I did make in a, in a league I'm in with Shane Manella of the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast, um, DFF fame extraordinaire. I am not the – I think if you look at their numbers in a vacuum, I think Amari Cooper and Robbie Anderson's numbers are very similar. And I traded Amari Cooper, and I got back Robbie Anderson, three early 2019 seconds and a 2021st mm. for, for, for Amari mm. Cooper. Shane's a big Amari Cooper guy. Um, Shane's team, now, now he's got good pieces. He could turn around and compete for a championship. But his team finished, um, he, he has the 102 this year. So that could be a high 2021st. And listen, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a classic moment with Amari Cooper for me. Amari Cooper in that the last game of the year where uh, Dak threw for almost 400 yards, Cooper finished that game with five catches for 39 yards and a fumble. I'm not saying that every game's going to be like that, but not every game's going to be the 200 yards and three touchdowns. So to get back to Robbie Anderson, yeah, I think I would. I, I think I would. I think we'll know more. He's a restricted free agent. I think they're going to match whatever he does. I mean, but he's 25 years old. I mean, he could have three or four really good seasons left in him. So I, I am a fan. So yes. So I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you tell us all about Greg Roman and the offense in uh, Baltimore. And and this is this might be my favorite of the group that you gave me, uh, best for last, I'd imagine. Um, not necessarily that he's the best offensive coordinator, but I find this situation incredibly intriguing. Uh, if you if you can go back in time with me, uh, the 2011 through 2014, uh, he was actually the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, and that same time frame coincides with the Jim Harbaugh era in San Fran. What do we remember about that team? Those teams. One, they won a lot of games. Two, they ran the ball like there, like there was no tomorrow. Like this was back to 1985 or something. Uh, it, it was <laughs> intriguing to see all of the parallels with this team as a per, as a, as it pertains to the fact that now Greg Roman finds himself uh, in a wonderful position as the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, and he's got all of these things still working for him. So we've got the mobile quarterback that was Colin Kaepernick. Hello, Lamar Jackson. Uh, this is pretty nice. And then if you go back and look at the statistics from those years, particularly 2011 to 2014, um, what's really interesting is that his quarterbacks uh, looks like pretty much had a pretty decent finish, at least for a QB2 in Superflex. Uh, 2013 and 2014 being the most successful years where 2013, he had his QB being QB11. Uh, 26, excuse me, 2014, QB16. Now, the, the best part of this, though, is for whomever the running back is. The question becomes who becomes the running back in in Baltimore. So we saw Alex Collins fall out of favor. We watched uh, Gus Edwards come in and be productive. And then we saw Kenneth Dixon still has life. Right. And after all of those guys, um, we still don't know who's going to be the, the front runner. So you can throw your darts out at whomever you'd like. And again, looking back at those times in 2011 through 2014, we see running back 11, running back 9, running back 15, running back 16. If I can get a top 16 running back out of the Greg Roman offense, out of the, the top running back, whoever's going to be there, uh, to be your, your running back too, that's exciting. And you probably don't have to pay a ton to get any of those guys. 
Now, here's the scary part. The starting running back may not be on the roster right now, right? Um, we we also watched him pick up Ty Montgomery late in the year. I'm not sure. I can double-check on his contract information here momentarily. Um, but we are looking at, a, at an instance where, essentially, this is the team that, that I think the running game is going to be absolutely fantastic for. Uh, now, here, here's what becomes the question. Uh, with Lamar Jackson's struggles, we did not see that the wide receivers were incredibly productive. So how does Greg Roman flip his team, flip his situation, uh, and make or maximize Lamar Jackson's talent to coincide with the talent that he has out at wide receiver? We watched Crabtree be fantastic in Oakland and took a giant step back when Lamar came in. Same for John Brown. Same for Willie Sneak, right? All of these guys who we probably had somewhat high hopes for uh, all fell to the wayside. So I'm not sure how that's going to shake out. But – um, from a from a sheer talent standpoint, uh, I still like what John Brown has to offer. I'm just really curious what they do with that situation. It's kind of a mess. At tight end, we watched 15 different guys get looks. Mark Andrews definitely stands out. If, if any kind of tight end premium league, love what Mark Andrews has to give to you or is going to give for you uh, in the passing game. And even a guy like Hayden Hurst. Um, he he got hurt early in the year. He showed pretty decent in the preseason, never quite got back into form. Again, in the tight end premium league, if you're throwing a dart out, Aiden Hurst is certainly worthwhile. So I'm excited about what Greg Roman has to do. He spent the last few years uh, in Baltimore uh, as an assistant coach. Uh, so he knows the he knows the team. He knows the roster. He know he has a relationship with John Arbaugh. Curious how he maximizes Lamar and that running game specifically. Well, I'm going to address Kenneth Dixon first. First of all, I think he may have pictures of John Harbaugh with a sheep, if you, know what I, if, if you know what I'm saying. Whatever it is, Kenneth Dixon can do no wrong. That dude gets chance after chance after chance. And, uh, Jerry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you uh, give us some quick thoughts on the Ravens, and then uh, you get to cover uh, the, the, the new Lions OC. Take it away, Jerry. Okay, so Randy has this little thing that he, you know, Randy always has his Randyisms. And his, his one thing is a writer downer Fact. that when you hear something, you always got to write it down. And the whole time Jay was talking, you know, he threw me back to San Francisco and I'm going to ignore who their head coach was as a Michigan state fan. Um, and, and how productive that they have been. And I just wrote down that, you know, if they draft somebody in maybe the first two or three rounds, I'm giving them a bump. I just wrote rookie running back bump for the Ravens. So that, that was my writer downer of everything that Jay just said. So thank you for the education for that. And I am pulling for that to, to pay off. And as far as Daryl Bevel being the offensive coordinator for the Lions, Randy did this on purpose to me because he knows when I talk about the offensive coordinator for the Lions, I usually tend to yell or hit things or throw things. But Jim Bob Cooter's gone. Bless the day that that happened. Here's the thing. I have not been able to listen to sports talk radio in the Detroit area because they are killing Daryl Bevel in this hire. I don't hate it. I really don't. Now, is he super exciting? Is he, you know, one of these? Has McVay he had a beer with McVay? That was going to be my question. Andy, like he, he's, he's boring. It, it, don't get me wrong. He's going to run the ball. We'll take some play action shots. It's not going to be, everything that we saw from, you know, the Scott Linehan Lions when Stafford was throwing 5,000 yards. So, you know, and I'm also coming at this, I'm trying to do it from a fantasy perspective and not just a Lions fan perspective. Here's the thing. 
I am buying carry on Johnson. Give me all the carry on Johnson in the world because Daryl Bevel is going to run the ball. And that was the one thing that we all almost said the F word, going to ignore the F word, hated about Jim Bob Cooter because he never gave carry on Johnson the opportunity that that man deserves and showed week in and week out. And that's what I want. Am I scared about Kenny Galladay? A little bit, just a little, you know, they don't, they don't pass like, like we've seen the lions, but here's the thing. The, the yards per attempt under Daryl Bevel have all been pretty good under Russell Wilson. They were all top 10, except for one year. I think he was 12th in the league in yards per attempt passing. And even when he was with Minnesota, you know, he had some bad quarterbacks, but when the year he had Brett Favre, I think they were fourth or fifth in yards per attempt. So when they do take their shots, they take big shots. The question is, is it going to be Marvin Jones or is it going to be Kenny Galladay? So I may be a, a terrible Lions fan for this, but I think I'm going to sell both of those guys at this point. You know, Kenny Galladay, I think he's going to be 25, 26 this coming season. So he he's pretty old. Not, I mean, that's not old. Don't get me wrong. But as far as he has the perception of being a young up and coming wide receiver, and he's really not. And, you know, maybe he takes that step and I get poop thrown at me from all of you. And that's understandable and fine. But as far as carry on Johnson, listen, I would trade one one for him. Hello. Don't Hello. Haters I, I don't hate, hate it. all they want. I would trade one one for carry on Johnson today in this class. I don't, I don't blame you, Jay. Yes. All, all the carry on, please. Yes. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I'm, I'm wor- same. That, that's easy. And uh, as, as a Lions fan, you're probably used to taking shots, but I don't mean down the field. I mean of whiskey because you watch the Lions. <laughs> Shout out to my boy, Jim. He, uh, another another uh, long-suffering Lions fan. So listen, we're running just a hair long on this one, so I'm going to jump right into Dirk Cotter uh, rejoining Matt Ryan and Julio in Hotlanta where the players play. And I think this is good for Atlanta um, typically you have to wait a second year for Matt Ryan to learn a new offense. He showed it with Shanahan. He showed it, uh, with Sarkeesian, but he had two QB one seasons. He finished as a QB seven in both 2014 and 2012, uh, and finished as QB 15 in 2013. So I don't think his production is going to fall off the table. I don't know that he can repeat as the QB two, especially if that defense gets healthy and plays a little bit better. Um, one thing I will tell you is that over the last eight years, now, I did, I did, again, doing research, this is the fun thing, that he was the offensive coordinator for David Garrard, if you remember David Garrard in Jacksonville. And that man finished as a borderline QB1 uh, four straight seasons. He, he finished as high as 10 and as low as 14 in his four years with Cutter. So I, I found that to be very interesting. But over the last eight years, that's the Atlanta round one and the Tampa Bay years, this guy averages... 600 yards, I'm sorry, excuse me, 600 attempts passing a year and only 394 rush attempts. So he's about a 60-40 uh, uh, play caller in favor of the pass. And I, I think that'll be great for Matt Ryan. Now he's a sell just because he's pretty pretty highly valued, but if you have to hang on to him, it's not a backbreaker. Uh, in his three seasons with uh, Cotter, he had 615 attempts on average. And his average season, check this out. 4,600 yards passing and 29 touchdowns with Dirk Cotter. That's an average of 279 
PPR, excuse me, 279 QB points if you go with basic QB scoring. That would be right around the the back of uh, QB 10 to 13 this past year, if I remember correctly. The one that I have as a hold to sell is Freeman. Again, we already talked about the splits all in favor of the passing game. And then he's not the healthiest cat around, as we all know. There's the emergence of Ito. I think we all like Ito Smith, as we all think Tevin Coleman's going to walk in free agency. And there's maybe a rookie. They, they've, got, uh, they've got seven picks in this draft. This is not a great rookie draft class, but if there's a value out there, I could easily see them taking someone to mix in as the heir apparent. And uh, so I, I think he's kind of like I said with A.J. Green. He's a, he's a hold to sell. You want to see him come out hot weeks one, two, three, and then try to move him and get out from under him at a reasonable cost. Julio, love Julio. I don't know that Julio, you could, even though he's going to turn 30 here in a couple of weeks. Happy early birthday, Julio. We know you're listening. Uh, here, here around the first, uh, I think it was the 9th of February. He turned 30 years old. The big 3-0. Celebrating style, my man. Coming off of a 104-catch season, 1,500-plus yards, 7 TDs. Look great. I just don't think you can sell him. So, you know what, he had two huge seasons under Cutter uh, when they were there together last time. My, my big buy at wide receiver is Ridley, because I think he'll be the heir apparent to Julio. And here's some interesting Dirk Cutter facts for you. In his 13 years of, of being a play caller, three different times he's had a wide receiver one and two on his team. Uh, this past year, when he was in uh, Tampa Bay, I mentioned it earlier, he had a wide receiver one, two, and three. And one time in 2012, he had two wide receiver ones on the same offense. He had Julio at wide receiver 11, Roddy White at wide receiver 9. This is a man who is going to put the ball in the air. And you know what? My mega buy, especially in premium, I just bought him in a premium league that I am in, is Tyler, I'm sorry, excuse me, Austin Hooper. Um <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I, I'm big on this guy. He's coming off of a, of a great season. He had 71 catches this year. So in 13 years as a play caller, Dirk Cotter's tight ends have had 80-plus targets 10 times. He's had six seasons where the tight end position has received 99-plus targets. So he's had five tight end one seasons. He had two with uh, Tony Gonzalez, one with Mercedes Lewis, and two with Cameron Brait. And then he's had five additional tight end two seasons. This is going to be, I think, the coronation. You know, a lot of people ask, who is going to be that tight end four or five behind Ertz and Kittle and Kelsey? And yes, I'm going to be a Colts homer and throw an Ebron. I, th- I think it's going to be Austin Hooper, man. I'm all about the hoop. So I think Dirk Cutter is going to be huge for this offense. Well, listen, this one's ran just a little long, but that's all right. Good company equals good conversation. I want to thank Jay Mike Check. Uh, Jay, tell us about your show. Tell us about your uh, tag team partner. And I have a favor to ask of him. I know Gabe's a bit of a uh, musically talented young man. You're talking about Lamar Jackson. Can he make us a drop that in the vein of outcast Miss Jackson, can we get, sorry, Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Now, now Gabe Gabe will do it much better than I did. But, uh, But please tell us about your show and where these folks can find you and all that you're doing out there. I have no doubt that Gabe could make that sound so good. So that's that consider consider that done. Reach out to him. I'm sure he can hook it up. Uh, but as far as the show, the open bar, uh, it's we have a lot of fun. It's every Tuesday night, 9 30 p.m. Eastern, never late. 
uh, which is the is the joke because typically we don't start till about 945. <laughs> but um, we have a ton of fun. We, br we bring a few guests on each week, typically different folks from different areas of the fantasy world to be able to chop it up and talk about the randomness uh, th throughout the actual um, league. Have a lot of fun. Uh, we talk through, like I said, a lot of different things. So. Uh, again, you can catch us on YouTube live uh, when that takes place, 9 30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday nights. Uh, you can catch us on po any podcast catcher that you may have. Uh, and like I said, I also do work for the Dynasty Dummies, uh, and I do a 15-minute uh, kind of quick hit. Uh, it's called a Dummy Blitz. And so typically that's uh, that's something that we started this year, which was a ton of fun to be able to do. Hit the comings and goings of, of what's going on throughout uh, throughout the league. Uh, so, again, lo love doing that. But uh, on Twitter, at jmikecheck, uh, you can find Gabe, my, my, my better half, uh, he's at FF Man Bun on Twitter. Uh, and if you need any kind of uh, bars, bars spit, uh, he he will he will tear up the booth for you. So, uh, again, thank you guys very much for having me on. I'm in incredibly humbled to be able to join you guys. Tons of fun. And, yes, we will have to have you guys on the open bar soon. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, you have been a great guest, just one of many great guests. But uh, every week the bar gets raised higher. Last week it was Travis May. This week it's Jay Mike Check, a.k.a. Jay Chala. Um, he, he will be around, man. Check this guy out. Jerry, anything to add before we uh, take this one in for a landing? No, no, that was a super fun show. We got, we got one game of football left, boys. But, you know, our job doesn't end. Oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're just getting started. As uh, the, uh, the, uh, the head honcho over at the Dynasty Football Factory, MG, says, always be building. And that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be discussing some rookie wide receivers next week with another very special guest. Well, on behalf of my man, Jerry, the man of the hour, that's at Jerry Sin DFF. I'm Memphis, just at DFF Memphis, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at woo, the greatest. Stan, Stan, son, listen, man, dad isn't mad, but how you gonna name yourself after a damn gun and have a man bun? Giants woke eyes open undeniable supply and smoke got the fire stoke say you got me in a scope but you grazed me <laughs>